You're listening to the Conversations Podcast, brought to you by Cypress Creek Church. We so frequently think of our evangelism with the word go, like, okay, well, when I go to church or when I go to that foreign country on that mission project or when I, you know, then then I'll be ready and I'll be an evangelist and I'll represent the Lord. And uh, really, it's, it's every moment of our lives that we're representing Him. Welcome to the Conversations Podcast. We're capping off a series called United, talking about United on Mission. Today, I am joined by two special guests and friends. First, we have lead pastor Jose Eberroa with us. Jose, thanks for being here. Good morning. And then we're also joined by extraordinaire Dr. Sean Stover. Doctors in the house. Good morning. That's right. That's right. What is going on? Who's sick? Who needs help? (laughs) We all are, John. But anyways, we are talking about, uh, yeah, living on mission. And so, Jose, I'd love to give you the first word here is kind of you not only came to a conclusion for this series, but even just preparing for this week, talking about what it looks like to live a life united on mission. Yeah. uh, You know, Paul does not end the letter by saying, hey, let's be united on mission right off the bat. But he, uh, I think, speaks that out as I was reading 15 and 16, first speaking on the resurrection and the importance of the reality that we get to live. Not only uh, was Jesus Christ raised from the dead, but he was raised to pass that promise off off to us. Uh, And then also the way that he uh, signed off his letter. I just, um, you know, read and those four points kind of came up to me on how we're called to be united on mission and uh, summer's a great time to be on mission, no matter whether we're on vacation with our family or whether we're around hanging out. Great time to um, really shake things up and be on mission together. There you go. Let's do it. Well, one of the things uh, I want to jump in talking about is, which I'm excited about having both of y'all here, just because I feel like there's this, con- when I think about evangelism and living on mission, I feel like there's a continuum to where you have one side where it's just like, just hit them with the truth and just whether it's a stranger on the street or whatever. And then on this other side, it's let's build a relationship, but maybe to the extreme is you just end up building a relationship, but never actually getting to the gospel. So I feel like both of y'all do a great job of just being able to find that middle and really seeking kind of how you can love and influence on people. Side of the spectrum. I'm more on the no, 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 I mean, Let me just drop yeah, the truth and Sean's like, let's just, no, I mean, let's you just both, hang out. Let's hang out. Come on. <laughs> Anyways, but there is a sense of intentionality, Jose, that you mentioned uh, kind of early on and just even this idea of divine assignment. And I wrote down just a few notes that I thought were cool. You said, there's a reason you live in the neighborhood you live in. There's a reason you were born in the country or city that you are. There's a reason why you have the job or school you're in. And there's a reason why you have the friends that you do. So I'd love to kind of first by asking just both of y'all, what's so important about just even recognizing and just owning that that truth that God has placed us around the people and in a place that, that he wants to use us. I think immediately of a Bible project video. I think it's the heaven on earth one. And uh, it's a great graphic. He says that uh, each of us are like, you know, appointed and, and being used by God where we are to be heaven on earth. And so if you have Jesus inside of you, if your life has been radically changed by the gospel of Jesus, then you are the light of the world. And so wherever you are, you have an opportunity to share and love. And, um, you know, when I think of that, I would have. It would have been a great little video to, to plug at the message, but you can check it out online, bibleproject.com and uh, heaven on earth. So it, it does show that we um, have the opportunity to give light to wherever we are. 
I think it's a great reminder, Jose, the message you gave and the challenge that you gave, because we so frequently think of our evangelism with the word go, like, okay, well, when I go to church or when I go to that foreign country on that mission project or when I, you know, then, then I'll be ready and I'll be an evangelist and I'll represent the Lord. And uh, really it's, it's every moment of our lives that we're representing him. So the reminder that in our neighborhood with our friends, where we're planted is, is, is a good challenge for me because it, it reminds me I've got to be accountable all the time yeah. to live out my faith. And, and there's not a pressure in that. There's an opportunity in that. It's just, mm-hmm. I, I want to be living a life and making decisions and making choices and speaking to people in a way that lets them know, hey, he's living some kind of value system out. I wonder what that is. And hopefully yeah. eventually they'll ask that question. That's that's more me on that continuum. You know, it's like if if somehow I remain true to these biblical principles in my life, I hope people will recognize them and then ask me a, a, about them because I'm not, um, I don't have the spiritual gift of evangelism where I'm just riding in a taxi and I'm ready to give that guy <laughs> those four spiritual laws. You know, like I, I'm with people like that. And Jose's way better at that. Um, but yeah, that that doing it, as we do life. I would um, argue that you do have the spiritual gift of evangelism, Sean, because uh, people are naturally drawn to you and that's what allows them to see the way that you live your life. It's a different, it's a different facet. And it also, I think, brings up the point that we're all called to exercise all of the spiritual gifts. So just because you don't have one gift doesn't excuse you from, well, I'm not going to, you know, pray in the spirit, or I'm not going to evangelize because I don't have that spiritual gift. I'm not going to serve because I don't have, or I'm not going to show mercy because I don't have the spiritual gift of mercy, but we're all called to exhibit those. And yeah, I've, I've seen that in action in you, Sean, as you speak, um, naturally people are drawn to you and then you're able to share Jesus with them. I think that Jose just complimented me and admonished me all in the same. <laughs> it's a gift. Well, it's also a gift. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, we're going to get to the points talking about what does it look like to live a life on mission, but I want to camp out one more place. And that is just this idea about um, just what does the most satisfied life look like? Jose, you touched on this too in your intro that I thought was really important as again, kind of historically, I think about growing up in the church, you hear evangelism. It's like, okay, the church about to tell me something I need to go do, whether it's a mission trip overseas or just even locally. Um, But I'd love to maybe Jose start with you and just think about unpacking this a little further of what does it look like? I mean, this is you, the notes I have down here is that this is the most satisfied life is being activated on mission. So this isn't just something that, yeah, you're the pastor. And so you want us to invite our friends, like, but this is actually for us, like the way that God designed it. Yeah, that's a good point. And I felt that way at 18 when I started following Jesus. And I think what made me feel that way was the community. I was a part of something larger than just me living my own life, even with certain convictions or, um, you know, loving Jesus. So it's like a team, right? When you're a part of a team, there's greater uh, enjoyment when you are uh, victorious. When when you're winning, you celebrate with one another. And then when times are not good, it's better to be around people that are um, around you. And I think it's the same way with, with, with our faith. When we live a life in community and on mission, then um, we have the greatest satisfaction in seeing God move through the highs and, and the lows. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Uh, vision fuels passion and purpose fuels fulfillment. And this idea that we have to have something that we're living for. 
And in the absence of that, there really is a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of depression. There's a lot of sadness. A lot of psychological things that go on in people's lives are because they aren't living on mission for something. Mm. And uh, what better to live on mission for than for the Lord? Yeah, we were just talking about it before the podcast a little bit. Some of the things that we turn to to that pacify our minds and and uh, keep us from living a life of purpose. And so that's more often the case when we're around people that aren't satisfied with life. Mm-hmm. And so they cope with all sorts of things. They concentrate on their kids' achievements. Um, they're not fully living uh, their life or, or, or purpose, or they, they turn to all other sorts of things that keep them from the purpose that God has, has yeah. placed them yeah. um, you know, life for and in their neighborhood and in their job and family, nothing is a coincidence. Right. Totally. Totally. Let's unpack a little bit more about what this looks like as far as living on mission. And so Jose, your first point here is sharing your resurrection story. This has come up a few weeks in different uh, messages that we've had. Just this concept of sharing a story is a great way to kind of uh, balance that continuum of sharing the gospel, um, but also building a relationship. So I'd love to kind of hear both of y'all's thoughts, uh, not only on maybe someone that's like, I don't, I don't know how to share my story or what does that look like? That sounds intimidating. Maybe it sounds too forced. I don't want it. So what, what are ways in which you two kind of navigate when it comes to just sharing your story with, with people? I think our story is the most powerful gift and testimony that we have. The ability to you know, overcome the enemy through the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony, according to revelations is just a fascinating scripture. I mean, what else would, the blood of the lamb, that's all it takes to yeah. overcome the enemy, right? And he says, but, and the power of your testimony puts them together, which says to me, that's, that means a lot. And our stories are just impactful because they can't be refuted. Mm-hmm. Someone can argue theology with you. Somebody can argue some of the points, you know, in scripture, but they can't argue your story. It's your story. And they didn't live it. You did and the experience you had with Jesus and the change that happened as a result of that. So, it's the most powerful weapon we really have to, to kind of share the gospel, I think. And it's also the most powerful weapon we have to connect ourselves with other people. Our, our culture is longing for yeah. authenticity, genuineness, deep connection, deep relationship. They really are. And there's a way to share your story so that it connects with the other person's story. So it's not you kind of dominating the conversation, but it's more like, hey, I want to tell you a little about myself so that I can hear more about you. Because if, if I'm vulnerable, I hope that opens you up to share what's going on with you. Cause it's at the end of the day, it's not about us getting to see how many times we can tell our story. It's about us letting people know how much the Lord has blessed us so that it opens a door for us to hear their story. Yep. Yep. And I know people that have written down out their story before they've ever shared it. And some people like to do that. And then personally, I have never written down my story or even shared my story the same two times. And so it's yeah. different every, every time I share it. And I am reminded of things that he, um, is doing or, or did or is doing now uh, when I share my story. So uh, if you think you don't have a story, then just ask yourself, what is God doing in your life right now? Uh, if, if, if you want to share something, um, start, about, start with the present. What, what's he doing in you and, and through you um, in this moment? And just go for it. I have loved, even in the last few weeks, hearing different people share their story for the first time and then start, by saying, I'm really nervous. And then at the end, and, and, and they say, I've never done this before. And then at the end say, wow, this was so powerful. And then watching the people respond and say, wow, I can't believe that that was the first time you shared your story. And that's what happens when we are obedient and allow the Holy Spirit to, 
take over. So I'd say just go for it. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely personally lean on the more robotic side of <laughs> it's like, I think back to certain times where I'm like, oh, that was, that was bad. I'm like, okay, chapter one, I was born. And then it's <laughs> like, but no, Jose, I think the point that you mentioned is our, as far as being aware of what God's doing in your life, like that's a, that's a, uh, something that I know recently I've been trying to get better at and better. And it's something I have to stop and I have to really think about and be like, okay, God. And even if it's not my full life story, even getting a chance to, it's much easier to weave in how God's working my life when I'm already been thinking about it uh, versus if it just seems forced and it's like, okay, God's, you know, let me tell you about what God's doing kind of thing. And so, uh, yeah, I definitely think just starting with your own personal awareness is really helpful. So good. Our, our story is the original reality TV show. I mean, it's the first one and people love wow. reality TV. That's, That's what our true. story is. Jose and I got to hang out a little bit with a 90 plus year old uh, last week, I think it was. And just hearing her stories blew me away still. I mean, yeah. fascinating just hearing the interesting things that God had done in her life impacted me for the rest of the week. Still is. Yeah. Before reality TV was was a thing. <laughs> and it's, we've missed that. We, we've lost that storytelling ability. And I think have now gone to Netflix and gone to shows to fill that void in us, to connect with personal stories. I'm just thinking about that right now as you share that. And it's so sad because yeah. we all have interesting stories and we all have opportunities to create interesting experiences. But too often we choose to lock ourselves in a room and enjoy a story that someone wrote and filmed and produced and acted out, you know, and that is what takes place of that joy that God put us here on earth to do, to live out stories, to go outside and make mistakes and take risks and then allow God to write a phenomenal story. So yeah, just came to me right now. Go live and, you know, do things. <laughs> Go live and do things. Go That's the. Was that from Return of the Jedi? I don't no. know. <laughs> let me go back because I'm I'm looking at the scriptures now, and I love what Paul go. says in um, chapter 15. He says, "I am what I am." You know, Paul knows what he is, who he is, and he knows what he's done, and he's not ashamed. He's now sharing it openly. But then at the end, it says, uh, "Whether then it is I." meaning his story, or they, the apostle story. So Peter and James and all these guys that were with Jesus before, he says, this is what we preach and this is what you believe. So they believed because either they connected with Paul's story or they connected with Peter's story or James's story. Um, but it's not, you know, just one story that connects with people. Your story, whatever that is, is able to connect with people, uh, someone in a way that your story, Taylor, or my story, or your story, Sean, won't be able to connect. Um, and I think that's the beauty of God's uh, mission here. Mm. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Okay. So the second point that we're going to go and do this week is care for the needs of others based on what Paul was writing in first Corinthians 16, kind of the first few chapters here. Uh, I'd love to kind of hear both of y'all's thoughts. Again, this is another area that both of y'all do super well. Uh, not only this idea of caring, but then even Paul kind of talks about quality time, which I thought was a cool thing that uh, that Jose, you kind of brought up as far as in, in his in his letters here. So obviously we can talk about the value of caring, but 
but maybe just love to get maybe a little practical on kind of what this looks like and even more so maybe honing in on the people that are difficult to care. Because I think personally, it's a little easy to care for people that care for me back or that are easy to love. But but those those people that I feel like God's put in my life, that there are some that it's not, not that easy. So what are maybe some ways in which you personally kind of orient your heart to be able to show care for them? I'm going to call out Sean because he taught me this years ago. But that's asking questions and being curious. And the more you ask, the more you know, you'll receive answers and it's just fun to get to know somebody. Um, and when we're curious about someone or something, then I do think that harbors care uh, in us for them, unless there's some sort of hurt or bias that we have that we need to work through. But if that's not the case and we're curious, uh, then I think that that leads to care. And Definitely. no one's done that better or taught me uh, that more than, than you. Well, thanks for that compliment. Really, it, it's fun to care for people, but it is hard for the people that are wounded themselves. And and Jose's right; the curiosity is a big piece of it. I think it starts with presence. Just how do you get, how do you get around that person? Yeah. What, what are the opportunities that you need to say yes to? That maybe you're like, oh, I'd rather be doing something else. But man, if I say yes to this, I'll get to be around that person. I'll get to be present with that person. So presence is the first thing. Like, how do I get myself there? And then once you're there, you introduce that curiosity that Jose said, just ask questions. And um, a third thing, Jose and I actually talked about this last week, is is process comments. And so for you to be able to say in the moment to somebody, hey, it feels like we're missing each other. It feels like you're kind of, I don't know. I mean, like, where do you want to go in our relationship? But you talk about the process of what's going on or what you're feeling or what you're experiencing, because a lot of times people build walls to protect themselves. Mm. And sometimes those walls with harsh people, you know, are, 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 man, they're things they say to you to kind of push you away or hurtful things they say or harsh things that they say. And sometimes they're fleers. And so they withdraw and they just pull away and they isolate and they'll just shut you down. No matter what question you ask, they give you a one word answer. So this third point I'm trying to make is just to Point that out to them. Say, hey, listen, I don't want to bug you, but man, I just kind of care about you and want to want to visit. But would you rather be alone right now? Or golly, it seems like you got a lot going on inside you. Um, you know, you're pretty worked up. And what do you think's going on in there? And just comment on that. People really do want to be seen. We're wired that way. We're wired with a God who sees, who looks down at us. It says he's searching. He's looking all the time. Jesus always saw people. We have that inside us, built inside us to, to want to be pursued and seen by, by, by God. Mm-hmm. And uh, so as a, his ambassadors, that's what we need to be doing for these people in our lives. Yeah, I, just connecting um, the first time we hear that God sees, God is a God who sees, he's seeing Hagar. Um, after he's kicked out by Abraham, you know, the story is not one of the fun stories in the Bible, but Hagar has Ishmael and Ishmael and Hagar kind of pushed away by Abraham and Sarah, um, and God meets Hagar. And so God's on mission for Hagar. That's He's showing her, I care about you. I see you. I'm not going to abandon you, and I'm not going to abandon your son. You're going to live. And I think about how uh, that comes across so well when we just care. And I love the two, you know, I didn't think about this yesterday, but talking about it today or yeah, yesterday, two days ago, Sunday, we took Memorial Day off. Um, how you, you, you share your story and you share God's truth, but that's got to be coupled with showing up and just caring and not worrying about seeing 
progress or, or, or any sort of, you know, fruit. We just want to care that will um, bear its own fruit. Yeah. I think also quality time brings a, a level of exclusivity that I think really is impactful. I know we can get into like love languages and all that kind of stuff. Certain people value that more than others, but I remember just certain people, just guys in my life that just wanted to spend time with me. It wasn't just like a a funnel. It wasn't just a system. It was like, Hey, and just even that simple act of, Hey, let's get lunch. Like I want to like hang out with you. I remember that just being such a, such a profound thing. Like, Oh, okay. Like, you know, you can hear someone on stage say, Oh, I care about you. You know, I love you, all that kind of stuff, or even on social media. But when someone actually is like taking, time to say, Hey, I, I want to spend time with you. I feel like that just even goes a long way because again, we can talk about the culture all day long, but just that's something that is not, um, present. And it's evident as people lack that because social media or just even just uh, celebrity culture, reality TV show that doesn't satisfy that, yeah. that, that desire just to be, to be known and to have relationships with people. So two, two real practical things quickly, especially for men, because I think women do this more naturally, but for men, sometimes we have a difficulty pursuing this kind of vulnerability in each other. But I've found that if God puts somebody on my heart, a, a man in my life, a friend, or even somebody that's kind of pushed me away, and I just shoot him a text, say, hey, man, I was just thinking about you today. I hope all is well. Mm-hmm. It's amazing <laughs> the door that that, they don't have to respond if they don't want to. They may wait a day to respond. Or they may respond quickly, but you do that consistently in somebody's life and by consistent, I mean, it depends on how close your relationship is, but it may just be something once every three weeks, you think of that person and you, and you send them something. It starts to open a door, even with the harshest. And another thing that I've found that works really well is when you do spend time with somebody, if that night before you go to bed, maybe you just shoot them a text back and you're like, hey, I just want to tell you it was cool hanging out with you or, hey, I appreciate that story you shared and I'll definitely be praying for that. I don't know. It's I've noticed that does something and guys, it starts to kind of open some doors that maybe hadn't opened before. So just yeah, too practical. Guys are, um, we're, we don't like to show it, but we like to be pursued. We need that type of pursuit in our lives. And it's not, doesn't sound very manly, but it's true. And when it's done appropriately and well, it goes a long way because we don't see that in any other, you know, facet of life. We're pursuing our wives, we're pursuing our kids, we're pursuing our jobs and uh, careers, all those things. And, and when someone actually shows interest, Hey, I, I see you. Um, then that, that, that does go, that does go on. Yeah, that's really good. It's really good. Third point here is to be aware of the opposition. Jose, I loved your, uh, analogy about the email signature and how this is the way that Paul chooses to sign off, uh, not the lightest way to do it, but it is super important. This concept of being on guard and standing firm. I'd love to kind of hear, um, uh, just maybe, expound on this a little bit deeper as far as uh, what is it that we need to be aware of? And then what does that, what does that actually look like? Cause I feel like that's kind of a little bit of a churchy word to say, Hey, be on your guard or Hey, be aware. But, but like, as I'm living life Monday through Saturday, like what, what does that actually look like in a day-to-day context, especially when it comes to living on mission? Yeah. So when you're actually on mission and, and living out your purpose or with purpose, living life with purpose and on purpose, um, I do think that it, it it's not long before you start seeing opposition and that can be opposition from, Hey, you're not needed in the game. Um, but also opposition from, Hey, I'm not seeing the results that I wanted to see. I'm, I'm trying to achieve here and I'm not seeing this person respond to the message of the gospel or, um, you know, I'm, I'm not being treated equally. I'm having a hard time loving someone that is not loving me in return. All of those things, um, I think are, are meant to take us out of the game. 
But um, Paul is clear as he signs off that there is an enemy out there that wants to um, rob us of joy, but also destroy the mission and, and derail us and make us live like everybody else, just trying to get by, trying to get some stuff for us, but then um, not live for for, for God and, and, and for his glory. So um, I think being aware is really important as we do things together and when we're united, because when we start sharing, hey, I had this thought, you know, uh, about this or that. And they're like, I had that same thought. Well, that's when you know that's from the enemy. If he's communicating similar things to similar uh, to, to people that are around you. So um, that verse in First Peter says, be alert and of sober mind. And so that's how we need to stay um, aware that uh, and be, be on our guard that there's an enemy out there. I think that the enemy loves to get us outcome focused. You touched on this a little, Jose, but this is this part. Did they did they ask the Lord into their heart? Did they, you know, make life change based on the interaction with me? And we we get so outcome focused that we forget, man. We're we're just teaming up with the Lord here, yeah. and He's in charge of the outcome. And I think that's where the enemy creeps in. He's like, well, you're not being effective at all. It's like all God asked me to do is show up and care and share my story to your point. And I've done all of those things. So I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. It, it won't always produce. I mean, Jesus didn't produce that fruit in everybody. So if he failed a couple of times, if that's failure, then yeah. we're all going to face that from time to time. But if we show up, we care and, and we share our story, we're doing our part, but the enemy just wants us to, but no, no, you didn't change that guy at all. That guy lived in your community for a year and he didn't come to church one time after a, that is disheartening, but that's where we got to stay alert and realize we're just, we're responsible for our role in the process. That's it. Yeah, and a great way to do that is by doing what you just said, read the gospels, see how the mission went with Jesus. Think of the parable of the sower. You know, he, he, he said it, not every seed is going to fall on fruitful, uh, fertile ground. Um, some is going to fall on the path and birds are going to come and sweep it up. And then the other is going to get choked up by the thorns. I mean, there's different uh, people, people are going to receive things differently. And um, that's, that's the way, that's the way things go, but keep on caring. Yeah. That's why you got to throw a lot of seed too. Right. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I got one seed and I'm thinking I'm going to use it on this one person is like, I'm going to put all my energy into this. And it's like, Jesus is like, no, just throw a bunch of that yeah. stuff out there, man. Cause you're going to, you're going to win some and you're going to lose some. Yeah, I think even the idea of being in the world and not of it is personally a big thing that I have to be aware of when it comes to this idea of, of being missional because, uh, yeah, I love, Jose, you kind of touched on this too about just even influence and just who we put around us and how much that influences us. But I think that's a big one for me as far as just how, whether it's the people-pleasing side of me or just I can quickly find myself in situations where it's like, ah, it's much easier just if no one knew that I was a Christian or just that I'd, you know, I'm not going to bring anything up. And so... Uh, one way that I try to counter that is uh, leading into point four here, which is prayer. <laughs> and uh, very subtle, I tried. Uh, but for me, prayer, it, it is. It's this idea that like, I'm going to look for opportunities if I'm praying for them. But if I'm not praying for them, I'm, I'm just naturally probably just going to miss a lot of those opportunities. But yeah, we have here just this idea that uh, Paul closes the letter with prayer. And I'd love to kind of um, maybe not just talk about the practical side of prayer. We can definitely get into that, but even love to hear y'all's thoughts on what does it look like as we tie in this idea of being a church that's for their city and just for uh, just being aware of their divine assignment, how prayer kind of is so important, uh, both individually as well as collectively to be a church that is truly for the city. Yeah, Paul's prayer is very short and very profound. Come, Lord, 
And um, I didn't say this in the 1030 gathering, but it's the Aramaic. The only time this Aramaic phrase is used in the Bible, it's Maranatha. And um, it, it actually changed. Uh, it, was, it was a greeting that the church started using before they used the traditional shalom, you know, peace be with you. Uh, and it, it also outlined like we have peace with God. And so that's good. Shalom. Um, and then the early church actually changed that greeting to Maranatha, which means come Lord. <laughs> and I think that probably was because they started seeing a lot of opposition. They started seeing a lot of things coming at them and they were saying, man, we're out of steam here. We've tried. So come Lord, we got nothing else. And when I think about our cities, when I think about the things that we're experiencing as a culture, there have been many moments where I haven't been able to reason, understand, or even lean on any sense of understanding that I have, or even people that I'm looking up to for, well, surely this person will have the answers. We're running out of steam in general. So let's be people that with open hands turn to God and say, come Lord, come into the situation and also I'm looking forward to the day that you come back, which propels us on mission too, because that'll be the end. We're done with our mission when Jesus comes back and makes all things new and uh, restores heaven on earth. So um, that's powerful stuff and, and things that I don't quite comprehend, but that prayer I think is really profound and necessary for today. Yeah, I think it's a beautiful conclusion to the list that you came up with, Jose, in reading through what Paul wrote to the Corinthians. I mean, we as people, as humans, we need to we need to show up. We need to be present. We need to listen. We need to care. We need to share our story vulnerably, and then we need to be like, "All right, Lord, come! You, we did, yeah. we, we did our part. We, it's you now. You know, I I can't change a human heart. Mm-hmm. I just can't. Um, Taylor probably could. No, He's right. Super talented, <laughs> but the rest of us might struggle with that. But. So that's it's just a natural conclusion. It's like, all right, I did. I missionally did everything you asked me to do, Lord. I will do it again tomorrow, and I'll wake up the next day and do it again tomorrow. But man, you come. You come now. Yeah, and that posture also recharges us for, you know, what's next. And with that person, with your season, um, when we say, Lord, we need you, um, that allows us to have the right perspective that it's not. It's not us um, that is that has the ability to change or that is in charge. It's all it's all up to God. Yeah. Well, this has been a really good conversation, and I hope uh, people probably will go back and rewind for a few parts of this because that was some really good stuff that both of y'all shared on that. It's also been a really good series that we've capped off this week on United in general. So, Jose, I'd love to give you the final word, not only as we tie up the series, but then also look forward to the next one. Yeah, United is something we need to. Remain. We need to remain united um, through the summer, through every season of life. I do think, I see, not think, I see God doing exciting things. Don't know what all that is, but I see a lot of uh, really fruitful times and in, in, in an ability to be on mission together with who God has brought um, into Cypress Creek Church. So that's really exciting. And then through uh, these next weeks, we're going to be looking at Mark and um Marking our summer with the gospel of Mark <laughs> and uh, seeing Jesus's life, um, two chapters a week. So I'm looking forward to that as well. All right. Hey, thanks everybody for listening to the Conversations podcast. If you have any questions that you want us to answer on the podcast, you can email us conversations at cypresscreekchurch.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast. Thanks for being here again, everybody. 
It was awesome. That's it for this version of the podcast. We will see you guys next time.